Hey guys, this is Amber. I want to thank you for tuning in today to listen to Little Things, but I don't want to just thank you for listening today. I want to thank you for every single time that you have listened. And I want to invite you to stay tuned after today's program for a big announcement. Today's episode is called Submit Like This. And we are going to talk about the biblical concept of women, particularly wives, not just women, but wives submitting to their husbands. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I have been writing and teaching Bible studies for the past 15 years. I've worked with women, youth, Sunday school. I've been blogging for Time of Grace since 2017. I've written two books for them. Really what you need to know is that I love the Lord and I love the Word of God. And I find that the deeper I go into the Word of God, the more astounded I am that He loves us and that He notices us and that He cares so deeply about our lives. And my role is really to get people into the Word and to show them how awesome it is and to really get them to a place that they want to know and love God more. That's kind of my mission in life in a nutshell. This is not a very politically correct thing to talk about. And in fact, in the world's view and in a lot of society norms, um, there is an absolute um, turn and aggression against submission. So I think it's a good concept to talk about, especially because it's biblical. And if you're not married, this is something to sort of um, help you understand what this is and what it means. And if you're going to be married or if you are married, this might just be a really good refresher for you. So first of all, let's talk about um, Genesis chapter 2 when God created Eve. God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So when God created Eve, he was making her as a helper. That is the first, um, the first example that we get or the first time that God really clues us in to Eve's role that Adam and Eve were in a marriage situation and Eve was supposed to be Adam's helper. The problem is um, sin entered the world. So before sin became a thing, they had a really great relationship. There was no problem with the submission thing. And even the way that sin came into the world, Adam didn't lead very well. He... um, went with his wife and took the bait and sinned. And in fact, in not refusing um, to go along with Eve, he actually had to take the fall for it. You know, we're told that one man brought the world into sin and one man brought the world out of sin. So Adam actually carries the burden for falling into sin, even though Eve was the first one to be tempted and to fall for it. So in the curse that God gave 
to mankind after the fall into sin, we see that this whole (laughs) man, woman, husband, wife thing was going to be a problem. So in the curse that God said to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, he said, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. So no longer was submitting to Adam's wishes going to be an easy thing. This was going to be, because of sinful nature, this was going to be a tough thing. And it's going to be a struggle. And you're not going to want anybody to be over you. Here's some things that we need to consider. First off, everybody submits. We all have people that are over us. So in Romans 13, 1 verses 2 We're told, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. This is the deal. So I think I've mentioned this before, but if you live in an apartment building, you submit to the landlord's wishes. And if you're an employee, you submit to your employer. And if you're in a church, you submit to the governing body of the church. And when you live in a state, you submit to the laws that the state has. And the same with the city and the same with county and the same with national laws. So we all submit to people all the time. So why should it be so hard for a woman to submit to her husband? Well, the reason is sin, and because sin has perverted this whole concept of submission, and on both sides, on the man's side and on the woman's side. So sin perverts it when the man is domineering, and he tells the woman how it's going to be, and he doesn't want to listen to her point of view. That's a perversion. That is not what God means here. And it's also a perversion when the woman refuses to submit and when she's going to do things her way and nobody's going to tell her what to do. That's also a perversion. So because of sin, this isn't always an easy thing to do. But I want to um, point out something to you. Jesus submitted. While Jesus was on the earth, he submitted. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, we're told, Then he, that is Jesus, went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, Mary and Joseph. But his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. So Jesus, who was God, 100% God, submitted to sinful human beings who were his parents. In John chapter 5, verse 19, we hear, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus submitted to his heavenly father's will. And nowhere is that more clear than in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus said, you know, I don't want to do this. Please take this cup from me. And God the Father said, no, I want you to die for the sins of the world. And so Jesus submitted, and he did exactly what his heavenly father wished for him. I just think if Jesus submitted and Jesus who was perfect and glorious and didn't have to submit, then maybe it shouldn't be that hard for me to. Philippians 2 verses 6 to 8 said, who being in very nature God, we're talking about Jesus, 
did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Basically, Jesus had every right to reign and to rule, but he didn't make this his right. He gave up his right to reign and to rule for our sakes, for a greater good, for our salvation. I want to also point out in Galatians 3, chapter 8, we're told that everyone, male and female, are equal before God. So this idea of submitting in marriage does not mean that the husband is somehow more favored by God, that God loves him more, that the man is better or stronger or smarter or anything. What it means is we are in a specific role and that God has established as the order, the husband being the head of the wife and the family. The curse is what makes it hard. And we've already established that. So what makes it easy? Well, there's three things that I can see from scripture that might make submitting a little easier to do. The first one is found in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 2 to 6. It says, But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields to that of her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. When we mutually submit to each other sexually and make sex an important part and a priority in the relationship, things tend to go better. God established sex as a bond that sort of glues the marriage together, the man and the woman together in the marriage. And so it's a little bit harder to be domineering with someone after you've had sex with them. And it's also harder not to submit to that person after you've had sex with them. So that seems to be one thing to me that makes it easier to do. The second thing, godliness. So Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 27, we hear this. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. So that's God's idea of leadership. So as our husbands grow closer to the Lord and walk with the Lord, they are going to be better leaders. And that's God's concept of leadership. So as wives, we should be doing everything in our power to encourage our men to grow spiritually. As they do, they're going to naturally become better leaders and they're going to be more giving and more godly. And we, of course, want to be doing the exact same thing because then naturally we're going to want to submit and help them and we're going to work together better. So how do we do that? 
Well, we can be doing family devotions. We can be reading the Bible with our spouse together in the morning or the evening. We can be praying together. We can be attending Bible studies at church. We can do an in-home Bible study. If there's a men's conference, a men's Bible conference coming to town, encourage your husband to go. Or even if it's a distance, encourage him to get a hotel room and go with other men from the church. Encourage your husband to have male friends at church because those male friends will hold your husband accountable and also hopefully encourage his spiritual growth. So those are all things that we can do. And as your husband increases in godliness, like I said, he's going to be a better ruler, a better leader. Jesus used the word, the term ruler, and it's going to be easier to submit to him. And what's the third thing that can really help with this whole submission thing? Well, in Ephesians 5, verse 33, we read this. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Emerson Egridge wrote a book on this, Love and Respect, and he's taught on this for years and years and years. So if you really want to look into this further, um, I would point you his direction. But bottom line, what I've learned from Emerson Egridge is that Women crave love and men crave respect, which is exactly why God tells the woman to respect her husband. And how do we do that? Well, I see at least three ways that we can do that. Word choice, tone of our voice, and the amount of time it takes us to do something he asks us to do. So I think tone of our voice, we understand pretty well. It's pretty easy to become disrespectful pretty quickly by the tone of our voice. Word choice, of course, you can demean somebody very easily um, with your word choices. But this is what I mean by the amount of time it takes you to respond to a request. So if your boss at work was to ask you to do something for them, most of us would make it a top priority, right? But somehow when our spouse asks us to do something, we don't always do that. So if my husband asks me to stop at the store and pick something up for him, and I don't do it that day or the next day or the next day, I mean, and and blatantly don't, just don't make it a point or a priority because I I don't really care to do that or don't want to do it or whatever, um, I'm not being very respectful. Whereas if he asks me to do something, and I make it a priority just the way I would my employer, um, he's going to feel respected. He's going to feel as if we're taking his request seriously. So this is the deal. This is what I found. The reason we would want to do this is because it works. So as we submit to our husband, and again, Guys, the best example I can use for this is Joseph and Potiphar. So if you're familiar with the, the account of Joseph in the book of Genesis, you know that Joseph was sold as a slave in Egypt, and he went to work for a man named Potiphar. And um, very quickly, Potiphar noticed that God was with Joseph, and he blessed whatever he did. So Joseph put Potiphar, I'm sorry, Potiphar put Joseph over his whole household, and he didn't concern himself with anything that went on. Joseph respected Potiphar when Potiphar's wife um, tried to make sexual advances towards Joseph. Joseph wouldn't have anything to do with it. So 
Potiphar wasn't somebody who who had to be, you know, domineering or had to um, kind of micromanage Joseph's every move. Potiphar saw that Joseph was capable and trustworthy. And so he really didn't concern himself with what Joseph did. And that's how I see the majority of Christian homes today. You know, I don't see the men following um, their wife around going, well, did you get it dusted today? Or have you done four loads of laundry today? Or did you make supper? You know, I see that men, for the most part, are very happy to give woman the woman um, their, their, them and their freedom there. So I don't see that as as big of a problem. Um, there are just times in your life when you come to these conflicts and someone has to make a decision. And if you've talked about it and you have different viewpoints and if you've prayed about it, then God has asked that we would let the man make the decision. And I have found over and over and over when I do this, even if I don't necessarily think it's the right decision, if I let my husband make that decision and I say, Lord, you've asked me to submit to him, so I'm submitting to him out of love and respect for you. I have found that God really does work things out. And it it just goes so much more smoothly and so much better when I do that. And the Apostle Peter gives us another reason, and that is if some of us are married to husbands who don't walk very closely with the Lord or who don't know the Lord at all, Peter tells us in chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, this is 1 Peter, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. That is a greater good. I said that Jesus submitted, he put aside his power and authority for the greater good of all humankind, for our salvation. Is there anything bigger or better than someone coming to know the Lord? So we submit out of love and reverence for God. But we also submit because God just knows that's what really makes a marriage work well. (laughs) Is it always easy? No. No, it isn't. Just like you have bad days at work, you also have bad days in your marriage. And sometimes it's because you've chosen not to submit. And sometimes it's because your husband is sinful and makes wrong and harmful or selfish decisions. And whichever it may be, either one of you might be at fault. And sometimes you both are. But by and large, this is a great concept, and it's a biblical concept. And because it's a biblical concept, we should really consider it, and we should look into it and pray that God gives us um, a submissive attitude. And let me just make sure that you understand, submissive doesn't mean that you don't give your opinion. That's not at all what it means. And it doesn't mean that you don't do anything without asking him. I think I made that clear with the Joseph and Potiphar thing. It just means when you come into conflict or when you, when someone has to lead and make the decision, God asks the woman to let her husband be the one, to let him be the boss over all. Now, are there times 
that that's not going to work? Yes, we're giving Abigail and Nabal as an example in 1 Samuel 25. There was a time when Abigail, for the sake of her husband and her whole household, she had to go against Nabal's wishes to appease David. We're told um, with Peter and John, you know, when they said in the book of Acts, we must obey God rather than men. And the Egyptian midwives in uh, Exodus chapter 1, who didn't listen to Pharaoh when Pharaoh told them to kill the Hebrew boys because they knew that that was not the right thing to do. So yeah, there are times that we, we shouldn't submit. If we're asked to do something that's not godly, or if your husband makes a decision that would put the whole household at risk, then there are times to say, no, we can't do that. That's not a good choice. But by and large, this is what God has asked us to do. And so out of reverence to God, we're going to want to try this out. And really, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And you just, because you just see how this really works. And it's just, um, it makes the marriage run so much smoothly, smoother that you just think, why would I ever go against him? Again, I want my husband to lead, and I want him to lead well. So I want to be someone who is easy to lead, and I want to encourage him to do so. So let me know if you have questions or comments on this or um, if you have any other thoughts. Otherwise, um, here's a couple of quotes for you. So the first one says, Submission is not weakness. Submission is power under control. I think that's a great way to look at it because really when we submit, we're choosing to submit to the leadership of our husbands. It doesn't make us weaker. In fact, it's a more powerful thing to do to give up power as Jesus did to humble himself and become submissive. And then the other quote, and these are both just memes, they, they're not attributed to anybody, says, biblical submission isn't yielding to your husband's will. It's embracing the order Christ established and submitting to him. And I would just change that to say it's embracing the order God established, not Christ, because God really established it in the Garden of Eden. And I think that just makes it so much easier to submit when you realize that you submit to God before you submit to your husband. And true confession time, I just want you to know that I do not always do this well. In fact, Sometimes I really, really bomb this. So um, you are talking to a sinner or you are listening to a sinner who um, struggles with this and doesn't always do it right. But once in a while I get it right and I ask myself why I'd ever do it differently. So this has been little things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Okay, so here's the big announcement. So... Almost a year ago, I recorded my first attempt at a podcast, and it wasn't pretty, but I sent it to Time of Grace, and they were so kind and gracious to work with me and to help me and give me direction and advice and to even let me know that I was talking into the wrong side of the microphone. In January, we aired the first episode, and ever since then, you guys have been responding. You're listening, you're downloading, you're sharing episodes with friends. And because of that, Little Things is becoming its very own podcast. That means that next week when you go to listen on your favorite podcast forum, instead of typing in Grace Talks Daily Devotionals, you'll simply type in Little Things. 
Don't worry, I'm still affiliated with Time of Grace. It's still going to be the exact same podcast that you've been listening to. It's just going to be its very own entity. So thank you so much for listening. And I can't wait to continue this journey with you, looking at little things and the small ways that we can maybe change the way we look at them just a little bit to change our perspective and our walk with God. 